And let me make sure that I'm live. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Carlos Phoenix. Uh, we are live with the Georgia Latina Film Festival. Um, and I have a very special guest. I got Isai Morales uh, coming in from Bucharest. Nope. Budapest. Budapest. <laughs> they all sound the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, again, my apologies. Uh, so I, I wanted to uh, thank you so much for getting up so early and uh, coming on today. And uh, as we're, uh, as we are preparing for the Journal Latino Film Festival in September, and uh, we're very fortunate that Rick was able to put this together for us. Uh, Rick Nahara, who uh, is a friend of yours and a friend of ours. And so uh, I thank you. Uh, so some of you may recognize uh, Isai from uh, movies as far back as La Bamba in your early uh, career, and of course, uh, I've watched you on Caprica, um, NYPD Blue, and uh, a bunch of other shows, of course, and, and, and movies as well. You are currently working on a Netflix project as well, isn't that right? Yeah, well, it's actually currently showing now. It's called Ozark, and it's, uh, I, I gotta tell you, not since La Bamba have I received this much love for not only the show, but my participation in it, and I'm extremely grateful. Yeah, and I hear it's getting some really good uh, acclaim. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm glad that you're getting... Now, what's interesting about your... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, interestingly enough, Rotten Tomatoes, I just found out, gave it like a 64, which is really interesting. Um, really? The, the acclaim is coming from people on the street. The acclaim is coming from the grassroots, the people who really matter, the viewers. Absolutely. Every day I get about a dozen or so um, texts, uh, me messages, emails, you know, all together where I haven't heard from people in a very long time. And they're just uh, reaching out and, and showing their appreciation. And I, I got to tell you, it, there's nothing better than that. Well, the cast is really good on this show. Um, and uh, you, your character is a uh, kind of like a drug handle. Like, what is your character on the show? He's a businessman. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a very um, educated and uh, he's a ruthless, uh, brutal businessman who um, yes has uh, narcotics is, is a big part of the uh, equation there. And uh, it's really interesting because I met someone before I started preparing for this role who uh, was actually coming to my home to do some work. And he was a transplant. I thought he was uh, from Guatemala. And he goes, no, no, soy mexicano. I'm like, oh, really? I said, where from? He goes, Sinaloa. And I'm like, oh, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me quite, quite an education, quite the insight. It was like a godsend, to be honest with you, because, you know, you, you see these roles and, you know, it's it's not easy to do something different or, or you know, I mean, it's, drug dealers, you know, we see right. in Narcos and, and all these movies. But to get an insight into the community, into their laws, like the unwritten rules, into the history, how um, certain government agencies took their farmers from growing beans and corn and switched their crops to poppies to uh, fuel the... Uh, the trade in Vietnam because a lot of our soldiers were not faring well against the Viet Cong unless they were very high. And uh, 
That was the birth of that kind of whole Mexican brown situation. And how they took over, how they grew, what the, you know, I said, well, what, what gets you killed over there? It was $5, 500 5000 hmm. And he looks at me straight in the face. He goes, hey, you steal $5, you'll steal 500 You're a thief. Wow. Meaning, you know, you don't walk crooked over here. So I'm like, you can get killed for that stuff? He goes, yeah. I guess it's their way of keeping their gene pool clean from people who would be stupid enough to um, break their, their rules. And it's, it's, it's no joke. It was such a, he opened my eyes and helped me understand the, uh, the matter of fact, the plainness of why they do what they do. Because if I bring somebody into an organization and they mess up or they steal from my bosses, guess whose family? And guess who's going to pay for that? You know, so it's just, right, now it's you're starting to scare me. <laughs> believe me, believe me. People are very scared when they watch this show. I'm glad that they know I'm not that guy. But uh, anyway, yeah, Ozark is, is a phenomenon right now. So while we're just uh, talking, uh, I'm going to show a little bit of your work. Um, now this was sent to me by Jose, and oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a portfolio of your work, which is kind of funny. I and, think this uh, was a fan compilation. Oh, is it? Now, have you seen this one before? I saw it once, and I was blown away, almost brought to tears, because I don't even collect my own material like this. I'm, I'm terrible in that sense. I don't like to look back and rest on my laurels, because I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how, how next, what next job is going to feed my daughter and put her through school and make sure that we have a few. I agree. So, um, all right. So what, uh, what I'm going to interrupt for a second. I'm going to ask anybody who's watching guys, this is live and, um, we have a great opportunity to speak to is, uh, is I, and I would like for you guys to share and get as many people to kind of, uh, join the conversation because the whole purpose of going live is to be able to have engagement and let people, uh, actually just access in ways that you were not able to do so before. So, uh, please share right now and I'll, uh, so Yolanda says that she's a big fan and she's inspired, uh, uh, she's inspired by you. So that's awesome. And, uh, so. Thank you, Yolanda. Thank you. A lot of your career has some kind of political connection to it. It seems like you, you select your parts, uh, based on some of your ideals. Or am I going yeah. in the wrong path there? No, no, absolutely. For most of my early career, um, I avoided uh, the usual or the typical or the two-dimensional or one-dimensional bad guy, especially if he's Latino, because I felt like being used as fodder. You know, you need a bad guy, put a foreign-looking cat, you know, dark skin or, you know, mustache or whatever, you know, ethnicity tends to scare folks. And um, I just didn't want to be used to, to make people afraid at my people's expense, you know, at our people's expense. So... I just, uh, I turned down quite a few roles, but I did take one that started my career. Bad boys put me on the map. That's right. Now, though, um, yeah. yeah, how soon after your, the performing arts did you actually get to do that? that oh part? my God. Bad boys was when I was 19. So I was about a year and a half out of high school. I was, uh, I graduated 17 and to be really honest, I didn't even graduate officially. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> and, when, yeah. and so as I'm researching you, I'm like, uh, 
it, it doesn't yeah. detail that. Yeah, I'm busted out here. I'm busted uh, because what had happened was that I, I, I lived in a home for boys. I had managed to get myself um, placed in a home for boys. When my mom went out of town and uh, I became a ward of the state. And so three years there and, um, you know, I just decided that I was going to focus on my acting, on my drama, you know, what they call studio classes. I knew reading, I knew mathematics, I knew general, I mean, uh, general education. In the sixth grade, I had a 12th grade reading level. So it wasn't like I felt like I was behind in that area. I just knew that acting, that bringing people to life, that inhabiting other characters, um, reacting truthfully under imaginary circumstances was something that called me. And and, and I, I saw Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon when I was like 12 years old and I pointed to the screen and I told my friend, that's what I'm going to do. And by God, that's what I've been doing. I've been very fortunate to have sustained myself through acting for 40 years. This will be my 40th year as a, as a union member. And that's awesome because, um, and we we're just watching, uh, the trailer to Ozark. The, um, a lot of the artists that I interview and I'm very fortunate to do so are Latinos. And the question of, uh, and this also happens with Asians and, of course, uh, uh, the black community. Uh, there is this strain of attitude of constantly being uh, labeled and, and put as the bad guy, uh, put as the criminal, put as the drug dealer, put as the, the person that's getting under arrest and stuff like that. And But you've been able to, um, you know, be a police officer. Uh, you've played both sides of, of, the, of the field, but, but you lean more towards being the positive role model and stuff like that. Now, Yet some people will tell you that uh, you always play the bad guy. It just depends on how much of one person's work you've seen in any one capacity. But that's funny you should say that. But I do. I, my, my greatest, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, no, you're my fine. greatest achievement uh, to some degree was to play the president of the United States in a credible manner. I mean, anybody could you know, be given a role and, okay, thank you, goodbye. But to do it in a way commanded respect and where you could actually believe that this person made it up that ladder. That was my goal. So That's I awesome. hope to have achieved it. Now, uh, I do have a question and oddly enough, this one comes from my wife who is watching. Oh. Um, she says, what advice do you have for young Latinos who want to get into the business? Um, basically just one word run. <laughs> I say that kidding, but you know what? There's a sad truth to that. Unfortunately, uh, the Annenberg study just came out that said Latinos are a, uh, an endangered species in the media. Now, you would think with all the work I'm doing and, and so many other folks that you know, seem to be doing well are doing that we would be faring better, but the numbers are actually shrinking. And I think that's a big problem. Absolutely. And Part of the problem is that, you know, we Latinos come in waves, you know, the Latino wave, you know, when La Bamba came out, it was the Latino wave, you know, right. the Latino wave. What I noticed, and I say often, is that, you know, waves come and go. And um, we need we need sustenance. We need staying power. And there's only one thing that can provide that, in my opinion. Well, two things. Excellence in what you do and a market to support it people to go watch your stuff, just like the African-American community wisely did with their church communities and uh, all the things that, uh, 
you know, folks have gotten very rich off of, uh, they know their market and their people are loyal to go see their fair. You know, Tyler Perry and others are doing very well financially. And once that happens, then everybody's like, okay, how can I get a piece of that? Right. Now, what, so, now there's different attitudes in that kind of thing. Um, like you mentioned Tyler Perry, but in the, what your method in your head of how that mm-hmm. can be sustained and how that can, uh, can exist. Is it by creating films about the Latin uh, lifestyle and market, uh, that type of thing? Or are you better off being competitive on the mainstream, Um, like doing movies, kind of like Robert Rodriguez. He does movies about vampires. He does movies about, you know, science fiction. And and even though he's using Latin crew and Latin actors and stuff like that, it's not about being Latino. So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? I think he's, uh, he's absolutely right. And I think that, um, it's a combination. It takes a concerted effort, you know? Um, let's think about Hollywood. Who created Hollywood, right? Jewish Americans. Right. A distinct minority, uh, persecuted minority in, in, you know, many cases. But they had something beforehand. They had the business acumen of the Borscht Belt. You know, the comedy circuits, uh, the plays, you know, culture is a very important aspect of their culture. You know what I mean? Art. Um, and they, they are very wise and very diligent in protecting their legacy, their, their market. And they created Hollywood where, in my opinion, they idealized Anglo America to themselves. Like, look, let me show you. Beautiful image of the stoic cowboy, you know, the pioneer, the Americans. And they sold to America an incredible narrative where Americans could feel proud of who they were and what they sacrificed under the work ethic. The whole American pathos. Um, that was uh, very wisely done, but... They didn't exclude their own stories. There were stories. Now, they didn't focus on their community and their stories. But if you look today, um, that community does not let you forget the horrors of the Holocaust. You know? Right. To a point where they it's almost over-indexing. But good for them. They are doing what they need to do to protect the honor, the memory, the tragedy, the sacrifice. And I say, instead of uh, bemoaning that or complaining about it, we as a people have got to figure out where our writers are, where our directors are, where our artists are that can then tell our stories. Like you're seeing now with uh, Luis Valdez, amazing talent, uh, who wrote and directed this movie that's a classic, an international classic, where Latinos are the main course, but it's not about being Latino. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, it's an all American movie where, you know, you're not the side dish, where we're not the, 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 the sprinkle seasoning, you know? Uh, and that is, um, we don't see enough of, you know, a movie where blacks, whites, Jews, and Asians, Native Americans can identify with the characters and love them. Cause see, that's what movies do. That's what great media does. It makes you, Get to know your fellow human beings. It explores the human condition where you can look at a perfect stranger and within minutes have tears streaming down your face.
Uh oh. His internet, I think, froze. <laughs> oh no. Ah, oh, well, that's not cool. Let's see. Is it his or mine? Mine should be fine. Up, oh, we have lost him. No. So, uh, let's see if we can get him to come back. Um, but, uh, we've had, uh, the past few minutes, folks, Issa Morales, uh, who is working from Bucharest and we're trying to get him back on. So let's see if I can communicate with him. But in the meantime, um, <laughs> hey, Robert, Robert Montesino is on. So, uh, what we're going to do is in the, I'm going to try and reconnect with him. I'm going to play a little video for you in the meantime. Um, as he is working on being president for SAG-AFTRA, and um, I should show you that in the meantime. Hi, I'm Isai Morales, and I'm running for SAG-AFTRA national president. I've been fighting for the underdog my entire life, whether it's for a good cause, for friends or family, or just you, the actor that needs the help the most. Let's face it, okay. elections don't fund themselves, so we need you to help us help you. So do me a favor, check out membershipfirst.com to get details about who we are, who Jane Austen, who's our secretary treasurer and running again, and the rest of the slate of Membership First. We need you to help you. So go fund yourself. Hey, thank you for coming back. I was like, oh, no, I lost them. And I didn't get no, to ask no. about you running, so... Yeah, but you want to know what's funny? What? What I think locked us out is that the internet in the room, the hotel, I think ran out at this hour. <laughs> oh, and is it yeah, time? So, well, yeah, I, I, I picked it up a few days ago at this hour, so it's crazy. My, Got my it. time. All right, well, uh, yeah. then we'll, we'll get really quick, straight to the point. You're running. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy uh, as far as uh, you and your running mates that you're uh, running against. Do you want to kind of explore and talk a little bit about that? I wanted to go into your background, but, you know, we don't sure. want to use uh, up listen. your internet time. No, I mean, you, you know, I'm good now. I've re okay. so All right. Sorry. You can talk about what you want just as long as, uh, you know, I get out the major major points that I think Absolutely. you should know. Especially you're in Atlanta, which I try to get to. We, had, uh, we have some problems in Atlanta, and uh, they haven't gone lost to me or some of our other um, candidates. And uh, I just want people to know that because I can't be somewhere specifically doesn't mean I can't address that problem. Absolutely. Because I'm here in Budapest, okay, or Budapest, as they say here. And I'm up. I'm up days, you know. I'm not only preparing for my work, but preparing for the campaign, doing as many things as I can, answering emails. I mean, I've never in my life been so busy. Mm. Now, just to let everybody know... Um... This is third day of not sleeping. He's only slept a couple hours, so I'm going to keep it really short so he can go back to bed and get that rest. Otherwise, we're going to have an actor with bags under his eyes. You're going to have an actor who used to look very young for a long time, <laughs> all of a sudden age in a week. Just, oh, I'm getting there, too. We're all getting the same grays here, so I understand yeah. that. Hey, I, I, I keep him real like you. I, I appreciate that. You know, oh, yeah. Um, um, I, I hear it makes us look distinguished, but... I don't know if I believe that. As long as I don't look extinguished, I'm okay with distinguished. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I guess what yeah. you're talking about in terms of uh, the issues that are, uh, is the level of diversity? 
Well, that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's a that's a problem, as I said before. But I got to remind folks, as much as I like to be a champion for our folks, and I was one of the founders of the National Hispanic Foundation for the Arts to raise money and connectivity for students that have excelled in their studies and have dreams to go to Hollywood and be in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Um, being president of a union of 160,000 members of a diverse uh, categories, um, being Latino is not the top agenda. It just will not be overlooked. You understand what I'm saying? It's a, right. You got to realize that you, you know I, I'm not just about being Latino. Of course. And I just I won't allow that to go unchecked. You know, I won't allow our folks to continually be ignored and be paid like second-class citizens. We're undergoing a, uh, a negotiating process now with Telemundo, which, uh, you know, is a long, long in the making, and it's about time they joined the 21st century mm-hmm. and not castigate Latinos because other Latinos in, in the United States, because other Latinos around the world will work for pennies on the dollar. I mean, it's 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 really, it's, it's an issue, and it's not going to be an easy one, but... We're going to fight hard. And who better to fight for uh, or, or alongside, negotiate alongside our industry partners at Telemundo than a fellow Latino? So um, that's one one of many issues that I will not go, let go under the rug. Um, there are a ton of issues. And we have, uh, where do you start? I mean, transparency. It's an easy word to say. Everybody mm-hmm. says it. We want more transparency. But what does that mean? Well, in my opinion, and that of our folks at Membership First, it means that too much power is centralized at the very top, and a lot of secrecy is going on. A lot of um, things happen behind closed doors. Decisions are made that um, really rob the members and the board members of participation. You know, the president under the last administration gets to pick every member of the chair of, of the committees. Um, it, it just becomes very autocratic. And it doesn't matter whether you're there every day. What matters to me is that you understand the issues and that you have the strength and the resolve to get the best possible contracts and living condition, wages and working conditions for your members, for all of them, to not have to throw uh, members of the background community under the bus yet again to get something for another sector. I mean, you know, what's the point of having a bigger union if it's just going to be a bigger bus to throw more people under? That's not my idea of leadership. And what we have to realize is that, um, you know, there are market forces arrayed against us. And I believe that the leadership that has gone on has has bought the Kool-Aid. You know, some folks say, well, they'll never go for this. They'll never go for that. Well, we'll have to find out. We also have to find out who we are as a union. Are we ready to take a stand? You know, are we ready to come together and put our differences aside and let people know let our industry partners know that we mean business, that we can't continue with this erosion of our our legacy. You know, it's one thing to get numbers that make it seem like you're getting a lot, like percentages. But right. wait a minute, what are you trading away for that? What safety issues are being slowly uh, given away? You know, our 12-hour turnaround. You know, we, we we're not widget makers. We're not just robots. We're craftspeople, and our craft is acting in many cases, music, dance, uh, background acting, stunt work. I mean, these things are for professionals, and there's, there's a value to these professionals, and we cannot 
um, how should I say, underestimate. We cannot underestimate what we provide to the industry. We are the ghosts in their machines. We're the people that make it possible for others to care. You know what I mean? When you Absolutely. do really good work, you make people care. And then they want to buy your product, see your movies, you know, listen, buy your books, movies. You know, it, 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 everything is a market, but we're not commodities. We're mm -hmm. talent. And our talent comes from somewhere else. And it's not easy to, to quantify. So we spend a lot of money going to auditions, preparing our gear. If you're stunt folks, we spend a lot of money advertising ourselves, getting pictures, you know, um, taking meetings, taking classes, you know, music class. I mean, there's a ton of investment that goes into being an artist in this industry, even if you're a broadcaster. But people think that we just get paid huge amounts of money and, you know, yeah, a day's work. All right, and you just live off. So, I mean, the, the yeah. music industry has but the same But that's not every issues. day. That's the whole thing. It's not every day. And what the right. union does, if I may just finish this basic point. Please. What the union does is it creates a floor, a bottom, so that we as artists don't negotiate or undercut each other out of existence. Because if you let us do this, we do it for free because we, we're driven to this. You, you don't wake up and say, okay, huh, I'm going to become a doctor, a lawyer, or an actor <laughs> for financial security. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You do this because there's something inside that's driving you. And then you have to work with folks that need to make the money to pay you. So we need our industry partners to make money. Yes, absolutely. But not at our expense so much that you cripple our ability to feed a family to create a future, a pension, you know? I don't ever want my daughter to have to be burdened with taking care of me when I'm old, when I can no longer provide. So I don't think any member wants that. So you pay into a pension your entire career. Right. Things like that. So, anyway. so um, I was at the Georgia Partners, um, the production partnership meeting mm -hmm. that they had just this past week here in Atlanta. And um, I did bring up that part of that conversation. Um, they answered really quick uh, through a lot of numbers. Oh, we have diversity everywhere. We have classes with a lot of diversity and stuff like that. Um, after the meeting closed, and I did post the meeting earlier today, um, at least parts of it on my Facebook uh, Facebook um, page on Carlos Phoenix, for those who don't follow me yet. Um, and uh, there does seem to be a little bit of a, it was, it was aggressive the way I felt they answered back, and there was a little bit of tension. Uh, afterwards, I got a lot of people coming to me appreciating the question, and it was very interesting that it just hasn't been a topic of conversation in prior meetings because they meet once a month. So um, what, uh, I don't want to ignore our audience. What was the main question that you – no, okay. What was the main question? Well, it, so what is Atlanta doing in terms of – increasing the diversity of not only people in front of camera, uh, storylines, you know, stories, but also uh, the crew, the crew and the people behind the scenes. Because uh, here, we're in Atlanta. I just moved from New York to Atlanta. I worked in the film industry in New York. But in Atlanta, you know, there's this big financial push, uh, the tax incentive and everything. But I see um, a lot of people, because I live in Peachtree City, if you're familiar with it, a lot of the cast and crew live here. And they're all flown in from L.A., I haven't met many people who just lived here and are working on these films by Marvel and Disney and stuff like that. And so, so that's where my question was coming from. And, um, 
And I also wanted to participate in trying to get education, uh, high school in particular, where we can start educating them on production so that we can instill some of the financial aspect of uh, the benefits and so that films can stay here. Sure. I mean, one, one thing I must tell you, though, that when it comes to uh, the crew and other folks like writers, story editors, producers, directors, that's not in the purview of the Screen Actors Guild. Act, Correct. You're right. You know, so um, that is something that should be discussed in an in, in interunion fashion. So we can support each other. So it doesn't mean we can't do anything about it. It just means it's not our sole responsibility to to handle that those numbers um, outside of our jurisdiction. All right. So reading comments, I don't want to ignore you guys, so I apologize. I just wanted to get that discussion kind of sure. out of the way and also help him get to some sleep. But um, people are asking, how can we support? What can they do? How do they participate in this quest? For one, of you getting elected, and two, um, in the mission that you're you're focusing on. Okay, it's early in the morning. I haven't slept much. I'm going to be very frank. Okay, I hate asking for anything. All my life, you know, I've been a liberal at heart, but a conservative uh, fiscal person, conservative, uh, fiscally conservative person, meaning. I want to help others, but I also believe in pulling myself up through my bootstraps and doing whatever I can before I ever ask for help. I've been an actor, and I've been an actor out of work. Not once have I gone to unemployment, even though it came close. It came close on many occasions. So when people say, what can I do, I have to come back to the fact that these elections don't fund themselves. We put in of our pocket thousands of dollars. And then we have other folks that put in, but we still have to reach the members. We have to reach those folks that don't always vote because we have possibly a split vote. So when folks want to know what they can do, I have to be bold and frank and say, guess what? Take that GoFundMe page of ours and spread it amongst your friends. Try to get folks, especially folks who are interested, like actors, to pay. As long as they're not our employers, we can accept money. And that's what we need right now. We need money so that folks don't go poor trying to run a campaign. And if it doesn't succeed, all that money was, you know, wasted. So we need community help. And with all the folks that show me love and support on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you would think that just five bucks from everybody, 10, let's say, or would, you know, it would add up. And uh, we have we had a good push in the beginning, but it's kind of gone to a plateau. So I'm going to have to do what politicians do, actually spend 70 percent of their time doing, which is why I'm not a professional politician. And by the way, this office, this job pays nothing. We do this because we love our craft and we love our fellow actors, actresses, dancers, singers, broadcasters now. I mean, we have so many folks that we have to take care of and make sure that they stand firm and strong under our umbrella so that we, when we get to the negotiating table, will be taken seriously and won't be told things like, well, that's off the table. You can't talk about this. You can't ask for that. You know what? That's not good faith bargaining. Awesome. Well, I uh, do appreciate you coming. Um, I, some of the people on our audience are saying that even the music industry is suffering in this kind of way as well. And so I wanted to point that out. I did see that. Yolanda, thank you so much for the comment. Um, 
And let's see, what happened to the AMO Awards? They said they didn't have money. Uh, so that's another comment on, on Yeah. It. I mean, I, I don't know. I've been honored to have received uh, an AMO Award. And, that's uh, right. And I'm grateful. You know, it came at a year where I did three shows at once, kind of like now. You know, um, I had done NYPD Blue, American Family, and one other show, Resurrection Boulevard, all in the same, like, kind of overlapping timelines. And because they were on three separate networks or kinds of networks, it, it worked out. It was a miracle, I got to tell you. One was public television, another one was pay TV, and another one was network TV. So, hmm. now what is the project you're working on now? Right now, I'm on Mars. That's right. It's a show uh, from Nat Geo with the producers, the esteemed uh, duo of Ron Howard and Brian Grazier. Who, um, it's like a docudrama, and it's fascinating. It's especially for people who like science and. And drama. It's basically about the colonization of Mars, and it takes place in like two types of time zones. Today, with people like Elon Musk being interviewed and talking about what it would be like, what it would take, uh, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye, uh, Naomi Klein, I believe. I mean, um, it's just all these great talking heads are interspersed with the story that goes 2037 of the first manned mission to colonize Mars and the problems that they would have. It's very much like the New World, you know, um, trying to now that's a project with uh, Elon Musk, out. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, he's, he's definitely part of the team here. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's just a really classy, grade A type of project. And of course, I'm kind of the bad guy because I'm playing the antithesis of who I am. I'm playing somebody, the embodiment of private enterprise business. Ah. It's just business, you know, and there's a certain mindset that says if people have to die to protect billions and potentially trillions of dollars of investment and the whole notion of a colonization of Mars, then so be it, you know, they will be well compensated, things like that. It's, it's just a mindset that doesn't look at an individual with as much weight as the mission. Well, in the audience, we have uh, Roberto Montesino. Don't know if you know him. He's uh, in Hollywood. He's also been in a film uh, where he played uh, Hugo Chavez um, oh, as, as the president of Venezuela. And let's see. We also have, um, well, people just saying they love your work. They love uh, Ozark. That's a great series. Uh, Ozark is dope. <laughs> uh, criminal, <laughs> criminal Minds. Um, let's see what else. Uh, my, my own brother's on also. He's saying it's a great show. He loves it. Oh, and, and then, uh, we have Christina Quinones, I believe, who's asking, were you on Criminal Minds? Yes, I was. And, uh, technically I still am, but I, I guess, um, they don't see the need to put Mateo Cruz back in charge of the, uh, behavioral, um, sciences unit, you know. So, the BAU mm -hmm. actually. But and we have what? a fan. Uh, we have a fan. Rick Nahara is also watching. Oh, Rick Nahara, <laughs> the Rick Nahara, the Nick, he, he, oh, the Rick. Rick he was yelling at me before because he said that um, going on Facebook Live, it, it didn't make sense to him. What is that? Uh, is it going to be a TV screen on the timeline? <laughs> so, well, is it, how is this getting out to people? By the way? Uh, so, so we are on the Georgia Latina Film Festival page on Facebook okay. Live. 
Uh, it is being broadcast live. We have uh, plenty of viewers, and uh, I'm sure after we're done, it'll be shared, and we'll have thousands and thousands of getting your word out. Millions. 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 Okay, millions. Um, and uh, so are you ever in Atlanta? Yes, we shot Ozark mostly in right. Atlanta. And I love Atlanta, and there's a lot of talent there. And you're right, a lot of folks are flying there or being flown there. But guess mm -hmm. what? And that's one of the problems we're having with this new contract. Because if you think it's hard to get you know, work there because of the experienced folks being flown in, um, we have something called portal to portal that is at, at stake, which means, uh, or producer's base. Now producers can say that's their base because a lot of actors actually flew themselves there, desperate for work, understandably so, and would take work as a local hire. So they literally eroded the practice, the, pa the past pattern and practice of our being flown here and, and taken care of as people who don't live here. You see, you have to understand, a lot of the experienced actors, people from all over the country, move to L.A., and L.A. is a producer's base. You drive yourself there, you're on the clock there, you know, according to that. But when you go somewhere else and leave an apartment or a house or payments behind, then you have to have your lodgings picked up. You know, that, that's been like that forever. The industry hasn't collapsed because of that. So now they're saying that, you know, places like Atlanta, Chicago, and other, other spots can be claimed as producer's base. So now they don't have to fly you. They'll give you a, a certain fee, which seems kind of nice, but it doesn't make up for, you know, if you have to do 22 episodes, the same fee for six episodes as it is for 13 or 22. And what, what do you do with your home? Do you re uh, relocate for what is really like two or three months rent when you have to spend nine months there? You have to now drive yourself there. Hmm. Now you have to go home and your time home to rest, your turnaround, which is the time that you have no, it's really interesting. It's really interesting hearing this background um, because uh, everybody just sees what they see on screen, oh, and then of course sure. what the magazines talk about or or blogs or whatever they talk about. And what's really fascinating to me is when I do get to sit down with an actor, which is one of the reasons I asked if you're in Atlanta because I am, and uh, if you ever need a place to stay, <laughs> I might have to. Sam, Atlanta local. All right, Carlos. <laughs> We're, we're at Casa Phoenix at the Phoenix house. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, and my wife cooks really good. Um, she's probably oh, right now. That's all I need. And, uh, but, uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something really quickly that I just didn't mention. You, cause you were saying how interesting it is to hear the details of our lives, mm -hmm. that it's not just what you see on TV and film. Our turnaround is a sacred thing to us because it gives us a certain amount of time where we can be home where we can de-stress, where we don't have to deal with the psychic. I mean, psycholog psychological pressure to be an actor or a performer and have to deliver again and again and again in a compelling way to memorize lines. You know, this all takes time, and you, you just don't walk on the set and, you know, start yeah, you're learning your stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're good, right. So you need this time. You need this time to check in on your kids or your, or your love or, 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 you know, you have a life. We're not just robots. So one of the main reasons you need this is because you need to sleep like I'm not doing. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, I'm not driving myself in this project production. But what the sleep issue is, 
you have stunt folks that are worked before and after our hours and they have to pack up and they have to drive home and be back on set. You have crew members, even actors, actresses, DPs. A DP drove off a cliff in Malibu because he worked like an 18 hour day and, you know, didn't get enough sleep and fell asleep at the wheel. These things happen. Actually, yeah, we just had a death. Lucky of a stuntman um, on the set of The oh, Walking yes. Dead. John Birkener, I believe mm -hmm. he was. And, 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 and God he had worked on some of the Marvel movies. Um, he had yes. just finished Black Panther and he was on The Walking Dead. He missed his uh, cushion that was supposed to catch his landing. And it was, it was uh, very unfortunate. Um, well, yeah, I okay. heard the specific situation, but that's a perfect example of how our stunt coordinators who direct all this stuff are pulled aside they're working on the scene now, but they're also preparing another one. And a little mistake, like not putting that mattress, I mean, the, the mat, close enough to the wall, even though it wasn't directly below where he was falling, that cost this young man his life. Because what happened was he took a fall and something happened where it was wrong and he grabbed on to the ledge and his body pendulum. You know, it, it mm, swung. Yeah. And that's what took him off of the line of where he was supposed to the fall. The jump, right. And he missed his mark. And he, he yeah. hit his head. I can't imagine what his family is going. This man was, you know, 32 or so years old. Yeah, he was, he was very young. In fact, I've met, some of the other stunt, I've met some of the other stunt guys who are on the Avengers films. And uh, they talk a lot about, you know, all the type of things they go through. But one oh, thing I want to do... It, I'm My sorry. friend got burned over like 80% of his body on a oh. stunt that went wrong. Yeah. Insane. Um, yeah. I want to thank you before I forget to thank you. Um, I appreciate, oh, I know most interviews are like, you know, really quick five minute, you know. Uh, yeah, I thought we'd have five more hours, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I can um, use the rest, but, but I, so I much love time. to talk with you again. We, you've given me so much time. It's been a blessing. Um, I, I'm sure everybody that's uh, watching appreciates it. And uh, Rick, thank you so much. Rick Nahara for setting this up along with Jose uh, of the Georgia Latina Film Festival. And uh, those of you who don't, who don't know about the film festival, it is in September. You're going to see me promoting a lot of it. Uh, obviously, if you're on this page, you can find that information on this timeline. Um, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you sleep uh, in, in, in my appreciation of you being here with us. Um, everyone, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, and, and feel wait, free to man. get undressed. I'm sure the women will love it. Uh, as, yeah, sure. as, as he's getting ready to, to go to bed. Um, yes. All right, guys. Thank you. This is Carlos Phoenix with the George Latino Film Festival and the Lounge Network. Uh, and we've gotten some great insight as to what's going on in terms of the film industry as far as SAG. Um, if you can support uh, voting for uh, ESI, please do. Uh, and uh, we did post the GoFundMe on uh, the timeline. So those of you that can scroll and click on that GoFundMe, please do. Uh, you are the ones that are watching and enjoying the entertainment. Support how it can continue going forward. And get your fellow SAG after members to vote. Too many of us don't. Mm -hmm. And we can't do half of what we have to do if you don't show up and at least vote. Okay, and I wish I had a little more time. I didn't know it was going to cut off right here, but... Uh, oh, hey, I have all the time in the world. I was kind of concerned no, about you. No, absolutely. I, listen, I just wanted to say a few things because... Feel free. Um, we have a very contested race right now in the sense that it's a three-way, you know, uh, competition where two folks that basically have the same ideology 
could split each other's vote and allow business as usual to keep going. And I just think that's a mistake. I think the party that's been in power has been in power for way too long and have, has accumulated that power and made it very difficult for other voices to step in. We tried to work with them. There was an issue about holding back where I, I was quoted as saying, we held back. And it was misinterpreted as like, we didn't attack them the way we should have. No, we're not gonna fight battles we can't win when we don't have the votes in the, on the board and we're gonna lose anyway. You have to think about what's the point of fighting? What can we offer? Can we be uh, po politic? Can we offer something so that then we can get something in return? So we tried that. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't get much in return, but we, what we did do is take away from them the ability to call us obstructionists, the ability to say that we fought them at every turn, which is why they didn't get such a great contract. According to them, it's just wonderful, but a lot of people are up in arms and I'm willing to fight. But what I'm not willing to do is make false claims, is run after the media at every chance I get. I'm not using this position to give myself fame. I'm doing this because I believe I have a talent, and that talent is communication and inspiration of the people around us, of our members, to get them more involved, to get them fired up, to do what they need to do, stand behind the union that you pay into, that owes you service, that needs to protect you at the best of their abilities. Okay, so we have to clean shop, we have to make a more perfect union, we have to really look at so many things like why we rent, spend millions of dollars when we could have owned our own building, why we have our members not, concerns not truly addressed, why we get so much lip service. Our pension plan is ridiculously unfair because if you work at our union, and this is not an... Uh-oh. Did he run out of time again? Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, we're going to give it a couple of seconds here. Um, and we did have one other good question that I want to eventually get back. Um, I feel bad. I feel like I'm making him spend his money on the Internet. And, uh, but it, it's a way he can get this message out. I know it's important to him. Uh, those who are working in the industry, I know it's important to them. Okay, he's back. <laughs> I'll finish with this. No, 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 I'm you're sorry. fine. Because we do have one, one more question. Oh, yeah, um, give it. But my last statement is, if you work at our union, you have a better pension plan than if you belong to our union. Whether you're Tom Cruise, myself, or anyone who's paid into this union, um, it's there's an imbalance that shouldn't be there. That's all. Yes, what questions? You well, so, okay, so I know um, there's been a lot of, it's very ferocious, this, this particular election. Um, I know, uh, I've read up on a couple of things on it. And now, what, why did they try to quiet you? At the um, at the SAG. Well, okay. In all fairness, um, it had gone long. Other folks had spoken. The first person to speak was one of the candidates, the third party candidate. And God bless him, I agree with almost everything he says and does. But he got to speak. And when it came to the ending, it was Matthew Modine and myself at one microphone, and there was another mic. But I was looked at by our president, and she says, "Okay, two more." questions. She looked dead at us. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it's us too. So Matthew spoke, somebody else spoke. And when it came to me, okay, time's up. And I thought that was just terribly unfair because they extended it 
but one last person couldn't talk, and that person happened to be the only presidential candidate that didn't get to speak there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just felt there was a real, they didn't want to hear what I had to say. Because the night before, I had spent a lot of time on the microphone, which I don't always do. I don't need to hear myself speak. That's the thing about some of us. Some of us just love to go and, no, I'll, I'm there to support the smartest people, the folks who do speak well. I'm there to support them and not to waste that seat. But I had to defend someone who was being attacked in that boardroom. And I said, I think, some pretty interesting and, and fairly insightful things. And I had some things to say. And they saw it in my eyes. And I, and I thought about it and I was just ready to go and, okay, goodbye. And I just, I, something came into me. I've never in my 17 years on that board lost my temper, never lost my cool, never yelled at anybody, even though the passions have gotten really, really intense there. I just walked up to the, I, I would not let myself be shut up. And I walked up to the dais and I took the microphone and I started speaking. Luckily, it was after they had adjourned, so technically uh, <laughs> they can't charge me with any because it was after it was adjourned. So, right. But uh, then somebody from security came and very roughly tried to grab the mic from my hand, try to snatch it, and uh, I don't appreciate that, hmm. you know. And, and we got into a bit of a tussle over it. And I'm over here thinking, dude, are we really going to do this? You know, <laughs> does the Bronx have to come out in me because I'm not going to let you? you know, like dominate me and shut me up. So it, it was just a little. Yeah, that kind of brings the Latino out of somebody. <laughs> you know, and it's not Start just Latino, like but yeah, we're known for having tempers. But here's my thing. I can control my temper, you know, and I think a lot of us need to learn how to do that. How can you get the best out of your passion without letting it lead you into really bad waters. And that's why I think that I'm a level-headed person. I can fight like the best of them, but I can also stand back and listen to listen to many sides, not just two sides. There aren't just two sides to many issues. Sometimes there are more than that. I think that the people who really just take their time and listen and look for the nuances, they can do a better job leading because they're going to do the best that they can to be fair. And when you have fair leadership, the people underneath understand and they stay with you. And that's what I want to offer. Fair, honest leadership. I've been around too long to get bought by anyone. Well, speaking of that, um, so very much like the presidency, um, and we're all looking at the presidency and saying, okay, well, what are you going to do and what, what changes are you going to make? So what do you feel needs to be changed? What is it you want to do and change in SAG after to, to improve it? Well, I think, number one, the governance. I think you really have to let the locals lead their own uh, people. I think you have to understand how this union spends its money, where it spends its money. I think you have to be honest. You know, we have had malfeasance. We have had uh, wonderful uh, efforts by one of the candidates who's wonderful at uncovering and filing um, claims with the Department of Labor and Department of Justice. And I think that's great, yet that's not necessarily what makes you a president. So, you know, I think we need people like that in positions to really keep this union honest. And if folks do steal from us, there have to be consequences. Um, if we make bad decisions, we have to own up to them. And we have to learn from our mistakes. And I think that leadership gets insulated and wants to paint everything like some sort of rosy picture. We need to bring back minority reports. 
and I'm not talking about racial minority, I'm talking right. about, uh, you know, political minority. In other words, the folks that uh, don't have the, mi uh, the majority on the board still have an opinion worth listening to. And if you can really get rid of the party politics, you know, the partisan politics on our board, you can, you can tap talent from so many sources there. There are really good people on all sides. Even in the, in the, the folks that are leading us now, I see a lot of good, talented folks. And I can't wait to work with them hand in hand. Now, might some of them try to stab me in the back for political reason? You know what, th those are the risks you take. But if you don't try to build relationships and bridges and heal the rifts within your own union, you're just keeping the old system going and keeping us weak. I think that there's a strength that comes in listening to your opposition and holding hands and being strong together. That's one of those moments that you get kind of get chills when you're watching the screen. <laughs> I mean what I say. No, that's awesome. And uh, I can't wait to, like, support you. Uh, I would love to meet you uh, when you come here to Atlanta. Um, everybody, there's I... There's a place that I like to eat. Oh, yeah? Organic food over there. True food. I'm giving a plug. What's it called? <laughs> true, food. true food. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a true food kitchen or something like that. That's uh, by the Lenox Mall. And, and there's some other spots. Organics. Folks eat real food. Yeah. My wife uh, works right by the Lenox Mall, so we'll have to check it out for sure. Um, okay, cool. So uh, I'm not seeing any other real like crazy questions. Um, again, oh, wait, uh, confused uh, Latino minority or majority in this country. <laughs> Some people are asking, are we a majority? We, we're a very powerful um, minority. We're the largest minority. minority. Yeah, we are. Yeah, but we're not, um, we're not a majority. In California, though, we're getting close. In certain states, we have a very powerful block. But I also warn my friends and people from my community, don't just look for power. Look for the responsible use of that power. Don't just look to take care of yourself and your own people. Look to take care of all folks around us because we are made of all folks. We have Anglo, we mm -hmm. have African, we have Native, which includes Asian blood. So Latinos represent a microcosm of the entire world. So it really offends me to see any Latinos be racist, or you know, bigoted in any way, because if anyone should know better, it's us. So you're an awesome actor, but you're an awesome person, and I love this about you. I'm so glad that we we're able to kind of have this conversation. Um, I'm going to end it tonight, folks, because uh, I'm not only he tired, but I too am tired. <laughs> so, <laughs> so have a great evening, have a great night. I hope you don't have an early call um, if you're still working on this film. And um, thank you, everybody, you uh, those who have shared. And uh, are there any last-minute things? Are you, are you one of those people that says, well, you can follow me on Twitter, you can follow me on Facebook, any of those oh type of things? Oh, my God, yeah. I, I'm just <laughs> terrible. I'm terrible at self-promoting, which is uh, one of the disadvantages <laughs> that I have. Uh, and uh, i got to say, you know, somebody complained that, you know, I only come out in the, in the press for our union when I'm running for office. Well, I don't use our union for press. So when you run for office, hello, you need – to use the press. Exactly. I find it disingenuous and unfair when people who claim to be my friend say things like that and that, you know, well, you haven't done anything in 17 years on the board. I'm like, wait a minute. You don't know what I've done. And nobody has fixed this union. Not the brightest. It's like saying you haven't fixed this country. You, if, you're, if you're a member of Congress, what have you done? Look at how terrible the country is. I know. Well, you're just a member of Congress. You can't take responsibility for everything. So...
I just, I just, I want to push back to the disingenuousness of some of people, of the people who I like, but I, I won't accept that kind of talk. It's, it's BS. I'm reading a comment. I want your phone number. <laughs> well, anyway, we'll Seven. settle for, we'll settle, we'll settle, we'll settle for Twitter and we'll settle for uh, Facebook if you like, like, um, and, uh, you guys, uh, if you saw in the lower third, I also had his website, so you can be a fan of his site as well. Have a great night. Is, uh, uh, have a great night. Sleep well. And, uh, I hope everything goes well with your film. I look forward to seeing, and, you know, when it comes out. Carlos the Phoenix rises. Thank you so much. Have a great night. You too. Bye bye.